Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Adrienne Facata. She is the owner and founder of Star Quality Investigations and a certified life coach. How are you doing today, Adrian? I'm awesome, Brad. Thanks so much for having me. It is my pleasure and my honor. I appreciate you taking the time to be here today and share a bit about your story and your journey with us. I appreciate you and I'm really looking forward to jumping in here, learning a bit more about who you are and what you do. Thank you. And you know, all the women that uh, are on your show and that listen to you very much appreciate you as well. Thank you. So Adrian, as I mentioned, you're the owner and founder of Star Quality Investigations. You are a certified life coach. Which of these two ventures did you jump into first, the coaching or the investigations? It was the investigations. And the reason I decided to become a life coach, you know, throughout my whole life, even prior to opening up Star Quality, I was always one of those gals that people would come to when they had problems. And, you know, and I'm talking about, you know, in our, in our teenage years and whatnot. And for some reason, people always can kind of open up to me and uh, tell me, you know, what's going on for them. And, you know, I I apparently have a really good ear and uh, I'm able to give advice, but I just felt that with the things that people were coming to our agency with, so it could be, you know, infidelity, you know, child custody issues, missing children, et cetera. And, you know, the death of children and loved ones, I felt like I had to take it one step further. So I got certified through Tony Robbins just to be able to deal with some of the things that I felt I wasn't qualified for. So it it came very shortly. They they were almost in tandem, but it came very shortly there afterwards. That's actually brilliant because you deal, you have to deal with people on a daily basis. These cases, these clients that are coming to you, you have to deal with them and know how to deal with them and speak to them and keep them calm and all of the things. So I think that's a brilliant idea. And I would imagine that not a lot of private investigators have that certification in addition to what they're doing. So I think what you've done is brilliant. Thank you so much. You know, it's all about a healing process. People come to us in, you know, their most vulnerable and most difficult times. And I feel that, that, you know, people come to us for answers and they're not just another file number to us. And, you know, they're human beings that, you know, with real emotion, raw emotion, and quite often very hurtful emotions. And uh, I feel that it really is a journey and a process when they come to a private investigator. So when did you start or found Star Quality Investigations? Oh, boy. (laughs) Now I'm going to date myself. Uh, Let's just say a couple of decades ago. It's it's been a while. And it's something I, I, I sort of fell into and loved and fell in love with instantly. Not so much for the investigative part of things, which is somewhat odd because I do have, you know, a team of 28 amazing former law enforcement uh, women and men that do the investigation, but it really is helping that person through that professional or personal journey that they come to us for, uh, if that makes sense. So it's really about supporting them. You know, yes, we, we, we give them, you know, their, their truth, but we also give them the support through the truth because sometimes people talk to people you know, their family members or their friends, or they want to keep it very confidential. And yeah. so they're their person. Yeah. Yeah. What were you doing for your career before you started your PI firm? Being a rock and roll girl. <laughs> I, uh, I had yeah, rocking out with the Rolling Stones. I had a public relations company and event okay. management firm. I think we did quite well. We did two world tours with the Rolling Stones, uh, U2, 
looked after the greats like Samuel L. Jackson, Colin Farrell, to name a few. And, yeah. you know, lots of others that I'll keep their confidentiality because they've requested us to do so. Right. But now when I say we looked after them, it was not their um, big, huge concerts and events. It was, I don't know if you remember, when the Stones came and they played at Palace Pier and it was like a private last minute thing. So the second they land onto Canadian soil, we meet them on the tarmac, we've got security, got housing and all that fun stuff. So that's what I did. And I absolutely loved what I did. Got into some fight stuff with WWE and UFC and expanded out into there. And then, uh, you know, fell in love with this current uh, business that I'm in. Wow. So what inspired your journey into private investigation and security? I'm still trying to figure that out. But <laughs> I guess it's, you know, I always say life, the universe kind of delivers you certain things, whether, you know, it falls on your lap or it just, you know, so happens to be like that. My um, husband is former Peel police sergeant and okay. uh, it just seemed the natural thing for me to do. And he was like, I don't understand. I've got this amazing career, yeah. uh, recession proof. And, you know, COVID wasn't even, you know, a, a thought at that yeah. point, but I just felt that there was such an underserved area in the private sector. Right. And, you know, my, my, again, I go back to, you know, my need and want to help others really drove me to that, to, to where I am today. Now you're one of the first women in Canada to venture into running a fully licensed private investigations and security firm. That is a huge feather in your cap. How does that feel for you when you hear something like that? strange (laughs) very odd and strange you know I guess it to me it really it feels nice I guess when people say that and say you know you know trailblazer and all the breaking glass ceiling things and for me it's really not about that for me it is just something it's it's always been I guess you'll read about it in my book that should be released this year but yeah you know gender never really played a part in anything I did And I feel that, you know, it is great. And if I'm inspiring one or, you know, a thousand and one young females or any age females to do and follow their dreams and what, what their passion is, I'm, I feel very good about that. Yeah. I just never, you know, it's really odd. It it wasn't until we will talk about this, I'm sure later, but it wasn't until, you know, kind of five or six years ago, I realized, oh, okay, yeah, I am a woman in a man's, it it just, I never equate gender into what I do, if that makes sense to you. Yeah, absolutely. I just think it's amazing. And what an example you're setting for women who may want to get into this area of career and but think that uh, who how am I going to do that I'm a woman how am I going to get into this male dominated industry or is it okay for women to be like I think that is absolutely incredible I'm humbled when when you when you say things like that or people say things like that but it's true though I mean that's pretty incredible you are a role model for that and I think that's amazing that's a huge thing for you well thank you so much and you know, that is, you know, my journey today and my future will be inspiring, sharing stories with others that, you know, no matter gender, financial, social, cultural upbringing, you know, yes, you can. It's kind of like you can do whatever you want to do. That's it. And that's the message. Yeah, absolutely. What type of training or schooling did you have to take in order to, like, are you, you are a registered PI, right? I am. So you have to be uh, in Ontario, you have to be a licensed private investigator. And there's a 50 hour course through the Ministry of Private Investigation and Security. And so you have to go through uh, that and then you have to write a test. And uh, it covers lots of laws like the Privacy Act, Trespassing Act, what private investigators can and can't do and whatnot. And then if you want to actually have an agency, that's a whole nother animal and a whole new process where you have to, again, get licensed through the ministry, the deputy registrar, the OPP and whatnot. And uh, it, it is a little bit of a process, but I yeah. think it's wonderful because it really does help legitimize 
and help the industry as a whole. Because I think when people think private investigator, now I'm really dating myself, they, you know, start singing the Pink Panther theme to me. <laughs> yeah. And like, that's original. And they think, you know, the the long beige trench coat and the yeah. fedora hiding and looking in the shadows. But, you know, I'm kind of here to say that's not what we all look like and act like. So it's very different now. I think it's amazing. So, and I mean, when, I don't know, when I think private investigator, I think you had, you'd have to have some kind of police background. Yes. And that is the difference with our agency and and the other agency. And there are other agencies out there that are mostly just, and I don't want to say just, but they are licensed private investigators. They've either gone through college, they've gone through university, they're lawyers, they could have been former police or whatnot. And then they write this course and they're a private investigator. The way that I have built this business from the ground up was that all of our investigators have former police training. I think collectively we counted and it was something like 424 years of uh, experience that everybody had collectively. And these women and men come from, you know, organized crime units, guns and gangs, fraud, missing persons, homicide, things like that. So the amount of expertise, and I learn from them every single day through their experience. So I, I really do feel incredibly, you know, fortunate to have such an amazing team. Absolutely. What kind of challenges did you face, if any, being a woman starting a business in what I'm going to assume here is a pretty much male dominated industry. And if so, how did you deal with it? How many hours do we have? <laughs> just, just ask. So lots and lots of stories here, but I'll, I'll try to summarize super quickly. Uh, lots of pushback. Yeah. And like I said, I, I didn't understand why I looked at it. I'll be honest. It was mostly from certain competitors, Lots of pushback. I had very little to no mentorship. I had one mentor. I'm just going to say his name, Tommy. He's a lovely uh, gentleman and helped us, you know, from start to finish, but nobody else would talk to us. And, you know, then I, and then I guess sort of kind of in the six month range, we started getting threatening phone calls, lots of, you know, hate messages, lots of slanderous things. And I would say up until about a year and a half ago, it got so bad that they would actually vandalize certain property. And and it got, yeah, it got really, really bad. And uh, I just continued to persevere. I didn't, uh, kind of look sideways and I just kept very focused. And so there was a lot of pushback and very little support. Let's, let's just say that. How has the industry changed in your eyes from when you first began to what it is today? What are some of the biggest changes that you've seen? That's a great question. And I would say that in the beginning, when we first started, nobody wanted to touch family law investigation and very little corporate investigation. And everybody was all about insurance, insurance. There was a ton of money to be made. And of course I was, well, we're going to pioneer and we're going to uh, help the people that are being turned away by agencies because, you know, dealing with family law matters and corporate because most people's businesses are their heart and their baby is very emotional. And so I thought I would be the perfect person to start that and to pioneer. And that is really what we built our business on. And then the insurance industry changed significantly, I'm going to say between five to seven years ago. And then people that were in the industry realized okay, well, maybe we'll just start family law investigations and lots of copycats and, you know, taking things from our website and whatever. And, you know, we had already been in it for so long that, you know, I think I, I actually encourage other people and if they do it and they do it right, or they do it better than them, better than us, excuse me, then kudos to them. So I would say that's kind of the biggest industry shift. I think there's more uh, support through the ministry, which is great. And I think they're tighter on their licensing, which is also fabulous for, you know, the folks that are such as ourselves and some of our, our other friends that are doing, uh, this and doing it to legitimize, if you will say, before private investigation was not as regulated and licensed. Um, So I I do feel like the ministry is really stepping up to the plate as well. I'm seeing a theme here, Adrian, you're you're trailblazing. I mean, being the first woman 
were one of the first women in Canada to venture into this. And then you shifting the clients that you're taking on. I think it's incredible. And it's great that people are recognizing what you're doing and actually wanting to borrow from you and the model that you've created and think, oh man, I think we need to get into this. Look, this firm, Star Quality is doing this and and they're being they're 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 creating success out of this. So I think maybe we need to shift our model and and model it after what Star Quality is doing. So that's a huge form of flattery. Yes, it is. And I do feel very humbled. And again, I think that there's a way to do things and to do it properly and and to do it ethically and morally. And I feel that, you know, our standards are very high when it comes to handling, you know, somebody else's life. Uh, And so as long as, you know, other people in the industry are following all the guidelines and the rules and regulations that have been set out, I applaud them and I hope they are successful at what they do. Absolutely. Have you seen more women making the jump into this world of private investigation and security since you first started your journey? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I have. And we've been so fortunate to have women come to us after they've finished uh, serving their cities as a detectives or officers, sergeants, and they now come and they have, you know, obviously resigned or retired and now come and work with us, which just gives our industry such a different twist. I feel that, you know, men and women, I mean, we are different species, no matter which way you put it. Of course, we're both human, but I just feel that sometimes women approach things much differently. I I mean, I need the synergy of both together, but I think it wouldn't I don't think it would work so well with with it being just all women and no men or all men and no women. I think the energy is is fantastic. So I would say, yes, I I have seen a shift in women. And I I get lots of phone calls too from, uh, we do some mentorship programs through different colleges and universities and, you know, people wanting to, you know, know, is this really for me? Can I really do this? And, you know, of course my answer is, oh yes, you can. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, so that, that part of it is really rewarding when you get yeah. calling. So. Now you mentioned that you get a lot of the women who have finished serving their city and they want to get into this field of work now. Again, just to be clear, you don't have to be a police officer. Like if a woman took the the course and passed, wrote the test and passed the test, she could come to your firm and say, okay, Adrian, I've, I've got my certification. Can I interview with you? Can you give me a job kind of thing? That's a possibility, right? Yes and no. Okay. So oh, okay. The first part, the whole part about getting certified, you do not have to have former law enforcement right. experience. That is how we built, and that was my choice to build that way. I can't tell you how many female clients I'm like, damn, you would be such a good investigator. (laughs) And they're like, I've always wanted to do this, you know, in high school and, you know, throughout my life, I'm the one that, you know, goes and follows people's husbands or whatever around. And I, and that's great. And I do actually refer out a lot of people that come to our agency to other agencies because for us. You do have to have former law okay. uh, enforcement experience, and okay. that is a choice. That is not a requirement. So that is the way that we have kind of modeled from inception. Okay. Now, have you leveraged what you have learned as a coach and utilized those skill sets in your private investigation business and vice versa? I mean, knowledge from your private investigation business into the coaching world. And if so, what have you leveraged and how has it helped your respective businesses? Wow, that's a loaded question. (laughs) How do I answer? What do I answer first? That's a great question, Brad. Thank you for asking that. Thank you. Because becoming an investigator, I never thought I would be as gifted as I am with individuals sharing their rawest, realest, most painful moments with me. And it's, it, sounds maybe not, I hope I'm coming across properly when I say this, I'm honored to be able to be alongside of somebody in such pain because I see the journey of from when they call me and whether it's a 24-hour investigation or whether it's a, you know, 24-day investigation, you know, the growth through that, I feel it's very self-gratifying for myself to be able to help people in that situation. So it kind of ties into what you're saying. So yes, my life coaching 
helps me tremendously in the private investigation side of things because we're helping you know, people deal with real, very, sometimes very tragic stories. And so that has obviously helped me. But then to flip it, when I'm doing life coaching, things that other people have gone through, I'm able to also apply certain things into my coaching strategies and things that have worked for other people. What type of cases do you primarily take and work on in your private investigation business? Like, do you have areas of specialty, I guess, for lack of a better term, that you take on as cases on a regular basis? Absolutely, we do. We really do specialize in anything and everything family law. Okay. And family law is such an emotionally charged situation and industry to, to begin with. And so people, their lives are at risk at significantly changing or falling apart. And so people will come to us often for answers and they say, you know what? I don't want to use any of this in court. I just want to know. And some people need to know because they're in that gray area. I find women especially don't do well in the gray area. It's kind of like, is he cheating? Is he not cheating? You know, has he hidden assets? Has he not hidden assets? And my male clients equally... And I have beautiful, wonderful male clients that love their partners and don't understand how it's gone sideways. So, so lots of things in family law, such as infidelity, questionable behavior, addiction, lots of mental health issues, which is very near and dear to my heart, child custody, abused and neglected children which I part of the business I really struggle with. And then also lots of things to do with corporate fraud. Okay. And again, okay. also very near and dear to us because most people give their lives to being an entrepreneur and uh, growing their business, you know, from a little seedling, you know, to whatever they consider successful. And somebody, you know, comes in, whether it's blue collar or white collar crime, and they come to us, you know, when they know something's very wrong, but they don't know what it is. And we go in and my guys are very, very specialized. They do a risk assessment management profile on the business and they're able to help them out tremendously. So there, there's a lot of things we specialize in, but I would say that the two major areas would be family law and corporate law. Why did you decide to focus on those two in particular, like so much focus on those two areas? Well, I guess as we spoke before, it was so underserved yeah. and I felt that I could really help and support people through the darkest times in their life. Yeah. And, you know, lots of times people are, you know, just searching for the truth. And, you know, when I get my male and female clients calling and they're just devastated and, you know, I just don't know why she or he won't tell me the truth. That's all I want. So at first it was, I didn't know what was worse delivering the news that the man who had just gotten married to his beautiful blushing bride, you know, three months ago is cheating or the woman that comes to me and has been married for 35 years and her husband is, you know, fooling around with, you know, somebody much younger at yeah. work when they're enjoying the fruits of the labor. Both are equally painful and hurtful and difficult, but I feel that the, you know, that industry is so underserved. Yeah. So I feel that specializing in something, whatever that may be, and having the know-how and the niche to do like that niche market to be able to serve it, I think is why we kind of gravitated towards there. What would you say is the most inspiring or rewarding part about the work that you do as a PI? Seeing people get through their darkest times, getting that email, text message, phone call, you know, one month, one year, 15 years later, you know, hey, backpacking across Europe, thank you for helping me in my worst of times, or, you know, happily remarried, now I have four kids as opposed to three, yeah. you know, I met my soulmate, or you know what, I got rid of my business partner and we're thriving, we just expanded. So I guess it's the success stories, or right. just even maybe the knowing that we're helping people would be for me, the biggest gift that people, and if they get a, a hold of us then, and, and share that with us, that's wonderful. Yeah. And so I would say that. Adrian, since the firm is yours, Star Quality Investigations, you run the firm. Are you still also out there taking on cases yourself as an investigator, or are you more now kind of 
running the logistics of the firm and all of that that goes all the responsibilities that go along with that. Correct. That is what I'm doing right okay. now. My love for investigation will never die. And I don't think I'll ever be out of the, the business, but I am definitely branching out through different areas, through some of our local chambers. And uh, we just got accepted into the Ontario chambers. And, you know, congratulations. Huge. Thank you. It's huge for advocacy and for change. And uh, so that is, you know, where I am now. And right. I'm still always a big, big part of the business, big part of my clients' lives. And I will continue and my team, of yeah. course, and I will continue to do so. But I've been so fortunate to have such an amazing team that they help me out tremendously. They they really are, you know, people talk about their home family and their work family. Yeah. We really are really tight knit and, and we're a great bunch. So I will always remain there, but no, I'm not out on the field at all. Do you miss that at all? No. No? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. You know, this might sound, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that can relate to it. You know, when you've been doing something for years and it's so fulfilling and then you just, my personality and, you know, there's only 24 hours in a day, but yeah. man, you can slice that pie so many different ways. Right. But I feel that I have sort of a different calling right now. And that is, you know, to definitely, I've always been about, you know, knowledge is power. So yeah, we did a big, huge thing throughout COVID and investigative uh, report where there was a lot of scams going on. So it's all still regarding investigation, but it's also creating the knowledge and the way people can get through certain things through different media outlets. So that is really where my focus is right now. What would you say is the most challenging thing about the work you do? I think for every investigator, it's different. But for me, it's detaching from my clients. You know, you take on their pain and their suffering. You know, people kind of clock in at, you know, 9 a.m. and they leave at 5 and they leave their stuff behind some people. For me, it's very difficult knowing that another human being is suffering. So, you know, we are 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365. So that's challenging for me. I've been getting better at it. I've got lots of outlets, like, you know, working out and shopping. I say yeah. that out loud. <laughs> I did, you know, but uh, I would say just, I have to, I don't think I could ever a hundred percent detach, but that's been my challenge throughout since I've started is, is to detach emotionally a little bit. Yeah. I would think that would be incredibly tough to not take your work home with you and I mean, there's a lot of industries where you have to learn to do that, but I can't imagine yeah, how hard that's got to be. That's why I would never make a good police officer, doctor, nurse, yeah. frontline worker. It would be for me, this is just for me yeah. personally, very hard not to take on that. And and there's still cases that, geez, I did many many, many years ago that are still, you know, I will think of the family or the person or the child or whatnot. And it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely changed me. It's made me much more grateful for every day. That, yeah. that is, I guess, the positive, but the challenging is that kind of hangs on. For sure. How would you describe your investigative style when you were out in the field? I would say it was just very true, very methodical, very authentic. You know, people will often and will offer us crazy amounts of money to make up stuff. And, really? And we, yeah, and we just don't do it. Yeah. So I would just say there, you know, I would always, and as all my team will do, will always lead with integrity and honesty. So every case, Brad, is different and unique to its own. Yeah. Let's just say it's even, you know, whether it's infidelity or corporate fraud, even though the story's the same, the details are different. So yeah. we customize every single investigation. So it's unique to its own situation. And so, you know, I feel you can't just go by one style. Yeah. But you have to go by a set of morals and standards and values. That is the culture of of our agency. And we never veer from that, no matter what kind of investigation we're doing or how different it is. The culture always stays the same. What would you say are the top three reasons for someone wanting to hire a private investigator? Well, the top reason would always be, so I would say to, to find out the truth. Yeah. 
That's a tough question. <laughs> I mean, do you, sorry, I guess, I, no, because I'm looking at it two ways. Are you yeah. asking for what industry? Because I would say the kind of blanketed answer would be to find out the truth, right? Um, to gather evidence for their court case or to see where they're at risk personally okay. and professionally. Is that kind of yeah. what you were asking? Yeah, yeah. Sure yep. that's, okay. Yeah. Yeah. What is one myth that you'd like to debunk about your profession? <laughs> Oh, only one? Uh, you know what? Give me three. Okay, I'd love no, to hear I'm three. Kidding. Give me three. <laughs> no, I'll give you one. Okay, I'll give you two. Well, just, you know. <laughs> okay, I'll give you three. <laughs> okay, good. Well, people look at investigators as, like I said, you know, slimy, yeah. lurking in the shadows. And, and it's just not like that. You know, if you saw some of the investigators, even our female investigators, you would never know that they are investigators and their moral compass is so high that even offered the six figures that, you know, we we've been offered, we won't go sideways. And so I think that I would like to have people know that there are people in this industry. And this is part of the thing that we are kind of going to advocate and go through the chambers is to take that kind of stigma away of, you know, it is the fedora with the long beige trench coat lurking in the shadows. Because often it's, you know, at Harbor 60 sitting beside you and your mistress having, you know, a $700 dinner. Or sometimes it's, you know, somebody buying, you know, certain stolen product out of a back you know, alley kind of thing. So it's just very different. And then I would also say the other huge myth about investigators that for me is very important is that, and maybe it goes back to the same thing, is that we want whatever our clients want. It's not about money often. Yes, it's a business. Of course, it's a business. But it's also about assisting that person through whatever they're going through. Because often people will call and say, I hired another PI agency and I was just another file number to them and they took my money and and I just said, I'm sorry that that's happened to you, but that's not who we are. So often I I get the privilege to actually, you know, change somebody's perception uh, personally and on on a one-on-one basis. So I, I just say really do your due diligence when you're hiring a private investigation agency. And, and there's a few good ones out there and, and, Obviously, I'd like to say including ours, but yeah. there's there's a handful of other really reputable ones out there. It depends on what you're looking for. Well, I mean, there's a reason you've been in business for two decades. So that speaks volumes right there, you know? I think so. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're, I think we're doing something right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say has been one of the most dangerous cases that you have personally worked on? So I have always really to be honest with you because I'm not former law enforcement I have really stayed away from anything pertaining to anything let's just call it dangerous okay and even our agency really doesn't engage in that kind of thing and I'll tell you why whenever there's anything to do with drugs guns and gangs you know any kind of suspected homicides, things like that, child abductions. So we work on those kinds of things, sometimes in tandem with the police. So as long as the police are aware, the family has retained us or company ABC has retained us for these purposes, we're going to hand over all our evidence. Quite often, they're very, very grateful. But if we're stepping on any toes, we don't do anything like that. And a lot of times when people call us, and they call us about sometimes often very disturbing things, and we really do encourage them at that point to to go to the police because, you know, we are not the police. We can make a citizen's arrest the same way you could, Brad. I don't want to hear that you went out and started arresting people this (laughs) afternoon either. (laughs) No arresting things. No, no arresting people. Uh, But people, they think that we have that power and and it's off that, you know, we have to follow the same guidelines that uh, police do with certain uh, trespassing and privacy act and whatnot. So, you know, when it comes to anything really dangerous, we, I really do defer to my team investigators who are former law enforcement and they almost always will refer to the police because that's the place people need to go for that. Yeah. Is Is that something that's very common in the private investigative world of working in tandem with the police on cases? 
cases? Does that happen very often? No. And I think the reason that we are fortunate enough to do so, it's not just to be clear, the police don't call us and hire us. No. What happens is the families or the individuals or corporations don't feel like the police are moving fast enough. And sadly, you know, I defend the police because I know their resources are thin. Right. And I will say, well, that's why there's the private sector. So if you are able to afford doing it privately, you know, we will never step on toes. Often we will call the detectives that are on the case and say that the families decided to retain us or we'll ask the family to call. And they'll be thankful because sometimes, you know, families are waiting months or years until right. uh, things are looked at. So yeah. is it common for us? Yes, it is. And I, again, I, I feel fortunate that we're able to do so. Now, is the private investigative world looked at in a negative light in the police's eyes? That's unknown to me, but okay. I would like to say no, because okay. whenever we are involved, we're always, and, and I ha I'm thinking of that question, Brad, because it might be because all of our team are former police officers that they themselves or our agency might be looked at respectfully. I don't know how others are treated, but for us, we are always treated very kindly and very respectfully. And in fact, a lot of times if, you know, we're doing surveillance and, you know, the odd time, you know, a police officer will come by and, hey, what are you doing? They'll, they'll either know each other or they'll be right. like, you know, and they, they'll just say, oh, yeah, okay, perfect. You know, a lot of times, too, when we're sitting on um, places, we'll, we'll actually call the police and just say, you know what, we're working in the area. Here's the plates we'll be, you know, driving in case somebody ever calls in. Right. And I think that those little common courtesies are something they, they greatly appreciate. Yeah, I would say that probably goes a long way, giving them a heads up on things like that. I think so. And I'm hoping that a lot of them, once they resign and retire, come and work with us. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> what advice would you give someone wanting to pursue a career as a private investigator? My advice would be to understand the industry, possibly shadow or look for a mentor in the industry. It is not for everybody. Right. I'll tell you even, and especially our team will struggle. Even they, they've been with us since inception. And sometimes they still struggle with the uncertainty of the hours. It's so if somebody's used to working nine to five and they need, you know, their schedule up in advance, you know, for three months, because they have to plan stuff, this business is not for you. I would say that would be the only negative of it. But some people and a lot of our team feed on that uncertainty and the adrenaline of what do you mean I'm going to Greece? That's awesome. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> They're like, what do you mean I'm going to London for a week? So, you know, they really do thrive on that uncertainty but it from a scheduling and from a family perspective if people have young families or starting families I would say just really you know call me and I can explain you know kind of the schedule <laughs> and talk to one of our um, investigators so I would say just understand the scheduling there's a lot of benefit to it and it's a great way even to get into policing some people yeah. will be investigator first ah, and it okay. looks really great on their resume and uh, their application into different police forces okay. that they've already got some boots on the ground experience is travel a big part of the gig sometimes yes yeah. sometimes i mean obviously pre-covid was uh, much yeah different, yes <laughs> but uh, we work all yeah we work all over you know so it really depends on where we're needed is where we go so yes that is and travel could be six hours north. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Be, you know, a warm, sunny. You yeah. Know. Yeah. You're not. You're, it doesn't mean you're always going off to places like Greece or Spain or something like that. <laughs> no, exactly. But and when we work out of country, it's typically remotely. It's it's using you know our contacts and right. Whatnot. Uh, you know, recently we uh, had to find a missing person in Mexico City, and uh, which I'm going to say that was probably one of the biggest and happiest cases that we were able to bring him home safely to awesome. our, his family, but and without leaving our home city. So you guys have resources all over the place, then people you can reach out to in different countries that work with, in tandem with you guys. 
Correct. Correct. And I, that is so important. You know, it doesn't matter if it's hidden assets offshore or people and teenagers, uh, you know, going on vacation and not coming home or whatnot. And we work with different uh, consulates and yes, so we're very fortunate to have our contacts all over. And it is all about creating relationships, right, Brad? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think at the end of the day, it's it's never one sided. They call us, we we help them. They call, we call them, and they help us. And so it, it really is a, an additional asset to our clients. I love it. This all this whole world sounds so incredibly exciting and interesting, but I'm sure it's not always like that. Which is another thing that people probably think when they think private investigation. Oh, this will be super exciting all the time. And I mean, there's got to be a lot of time where it's it's not at all. You're sitting around watching and waiting and all of that too, right? Not really. I got to no? be honest with oh, you. Okay. I, I would say more so, and maybe this is why we, we never got into the insurance side of things. Okay. Now, that's not to say that we don't do, you know, claims and fake injuries and, right. and whatnot for our existing corporate clients, but our files are very go, go, go. And it's a, a lot of movement and a lot of, there isn't a ton of waiting around. Oh, okay. I think maybe uh, the, the gals and guys might think, oh, it would be nice to, you know, have a pee or go for a coffee, but uh, <laughs> doesn't really happen all that often in our yeah. world. So no, I think it's just because of the type of investigation we do. Yeah. I, I'm sure in other areas, there is a lot of sitting and, you know, watching the grass grow, but not like insurance, <laughs> like insurance files. Sometimes yeah. yes. that's yeah. what I've heard. Adrian, what do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? Oh, well, that's definitely my lipstick and Louis Vuitton bag and <laughs> Batman cape. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I love that question, but it's probably not the answer you were looking for. <laughs> I would say, sorry, I had to throw that in. That's okay. I would say the, uh, you know, when you say stuff like that, I, and I'm glad this is only audio, my face kind of gets blushed because... <laughs> I got to actually really think about it. I would say it is the mentality of, you know, what I always say to people um, that are going through uh, any kind of change or wondering if they can do something. It's just stay laser focused on the end goal is. So if your end goal, you know, is going to be, you know, in 10 years, then, you know, have baby goals. But I would say it's my drive. My loyalty, my love for others, the love of healing others, obviously the love for my family. So it's just L-O-V-E. I I would say that's my superpower, but we're not going to forget the lipstick. and No, of course. And the the cape, of course. And the cape, the cape. (laughs) Got to have the cape. (laughs) Adrian, how do you define success? What does that word mean to you? Am I supposed to say more Louis Vuitton bags? Because well, that you is could success. say whatever you want, <laughs> whatever you think. <laughs> you know, my definition of success is is kind of out there, but it for me, success has always been defined from the inside out. So, yeah. if I don't feel good about what I'm doing, I don't feel successful. And I'm actually kidding about the bags, but it's, yeah. so it's not a financial success for me because that will come. If you love what you're doing and internally you feel that you've helped somebody or you feel good inside, the success will come externally, which will include, you know, whatever you, other people consider success, right. how much money's in my bank, how many cars I have, how many purses I have. And <laughs> for me, the success is defined from the feeling that I have inside. Okay. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after you learned it? Oh, I love these three parters, Brad. <laughs> uh, they, uh, you know, your questions really make you think. And I love that. I would say just right out of the gate, it's something. And, and I always have preached this throughout my whole life to anybody who will listen and not a lot of people listen to me, by the way, especially at home. No, just kidding. Is uh, (laughs) just, you know, listening to our elders and their, you know, their philosophies, especially when we're young, we're like, Oh my God, I can't believe that they're saying that. But, you know, I wish I, you know, hindsight is great, but now I'm repeating things my grandmother would say to me 
or my father and my mother and, you know, my elderly and just, you know, people that I've met along the way, they have something we don't have, which is the experience of life. So I feel that before I got that, I thought, I well, I've got this down packed. I mean, you know, you're 16, you're 19 and you think you know absolutely everything until you realize you don't and then you kind of start to pick out things that people that uh, you love and that you've respected have taught you and so I would say I was you know prior to that I was a little bit more closed-minded about listening to elderly people because I think that the generation is different which is obviously now being older, I know that is a great thing. So I would say it has given me such valuable lessons in life. And I help, you know, not only my family, but also my clients to realize, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll, it'll be a simple question to a client. Well, what does your mom think about that? And they're like, (laughs) oh my God, she's, and then then she always hated him or whatever they say to me, right? And I'm like, "Hmm, maybe she's, was on to something do you think that maybe and it's kind of like oh damn I hate when she's right but maybe (laughs) so you know it's just I I would say that that was a huge lesson for me and that's something I really do live by is just you know respecting anybody that has even you know six hours on me and they've got a story I love to listen love it who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why now you're going to make me cry off my eyelashes. <laughs> so, you know, there's been so many lessons, but, you know, I'm going to go back to my dad who passed when I was, I'd like to say quite young. I was 21. And, you know, he taught me so many things in life. I was the second daughter. Both my parents immigrated here in 56 and it was all about, you had to have a boy. Well, guess what? He didn't have a boy. So guess who was the boy? But not that I was the boy in the essence of, well, you are my son now. It was just nothing we did together was gender specific. Right. So, you know, my friends were baking cookies. I was building fences and twisting wrenches. I'd eat the cookies later though. And he was, he was also an entrepreneur. He opened up one of the first cafes at Young and St. Clair. And so I really followed his footsteps. He, to me, he was bigger than life. And he always, you know, made me believe that anything was possible. And so, yeah, so it would be my dad. Beautiful. What does the word empowerment mean to you, Adrian? So, so many things. And I'd like to say living your true, authentic life and doing what lights your soul on fire, what you're passionate about. So empowerment is something very individual to everybody. But however you find that empowerment, it is within thyself. Yes, we look to outer influences such as your amazing podcast, books and friends, etc., But I I really feel that empowerment is being good within your soul and everything you do. And so whether that's loving somebody, raising your family, being an entrepreneur, having a career, it's empowerment is knowing what's what lights you up and living it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you think about all the people that don't live their true life and don't go after what they want and stay stuck where they're not happy and they're miserable and I think that's such a sad way to live. I agree, Brad. And, you know, that's why I feel what you're doing and letting people know that it doesn't matter if you're 18, 58, 60, it doesn't matter, you know, age or gender. And going back to the lessons I learned from my dad, you are also doing that, Brad, for other people and letting them know that no matter what stage of life you're in, or where you are in your life, you know, change is possible and you give people hope. And, you know, and as I said, I think we all celebrate you for that. Thank you very much. That means a lot to me. I truly appreciate that. Oh, you're welcome. Okay. We're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions to just be two, three, four word answer type thing. Okay. Okay. (laughs) You got this. You got got this. this. (laughs) How would you describe yourself in one word? You said three or four words. (laughs) driven, loving, loyal, healing. That's one word. (laughs) What was your dream job as a child? A lawyer. Really? Okay. Mm -hmm. What's the first thing you notice about a person? 
if I'm in person, their eyes, because mm-hmm. I don't think their eyes can lie. They're the, you know, into your soul. So, uh, but I would say if we're on, you know, a Zoom, yeah. it's, it's, it's tone. Okay. Eyes and, t- eyes and tone. If you came with a warning label, what would yours say? First thing comes to mind is flammable, but I'm going to (laughs) say no, no, no stopping, no standing, you know, those little signs because I never stop and I never stand still and I thrive in that. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) If you could, (laughs) well, I'm glad you're having fun. That's important. Absolutely. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Yes, you can. What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? Uh, more time with my loved ones who have passed. If you could change one thing about the world, what would you change? People, I feel like I'm on uh, Family Feud or Jeopardy. Uh, people, <laughs> people's perception about mental health. Love it. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. Woo. You no did very lashes. well. Way to go, Adrian. You did awesome. No, no eyelashes. Thank you. And sweating a little, but I'm good. <laughs> You made it through. That was fun. I like that. Love it. What is an unexpected blessing or occurrence in your life that you're grateful for? You know what? I am grateful for so many things. So I'll go something a little bit bigger. I would say the way the universe works and the fact that I have the intuition to know things such as you know, people are like, what a coincidence that I'm like, there's no such thing as coincidence. I agree with you. I would say, yeah, I think you and I had a similar conversation the other day. And I just feel that I am so incredibly grateful for small things that I see that, you know, that either fall in my lap or fall on my head one or the other, because (laughs) there's so much to be grateful for, you know, so many times, you know, people don't look at it that, uh, oh my God, the universe, you know, uh, somebody's, you know, has a, a doll and is poking pins at my head, but it's sometimes it's the way, you know, the universe redirects us. It's, yeah. it's not about, you know, the universe is a beautiful thing. And I just, yeah. So I would say that For universe sure. is redirection sure. or direction. Can you tell me about a moment when a person's kindness made a difference in your life? Oh, yes. I'm, I'm going to go back to high school which was just, you know, a few years ago, Yeah, uh, is my auto teacher. You know, I was, you'll read this in my book, but uh, when I went down, uh, you know, to the guidance office when I was in grade 12, I was so, so excited. I wanted to be a lawyer. And, you know, I sat down and, you know, my guidance counselor was looking at me and I just said, so, you know, how do we do this? You know, I want to be a lawyer. And he basically LOL'd me in my face. And said, oh, oh dear, you're not smart enough to be a lawyer. Uh, You're not strong enough. You don't have good grades. You know, go, you know, marry rich and uh, don't have a few kids. You'll be fine. Don't worry about it. You know, that was the words that my guidance counselor told me when I was 17. And, you know, I went back to class, which was auto, and I was just in tears. I was so destroyed. And, you know, my auto teacher, you know, kind of took me aside and said, listen, you're not, you weren't even supposed to be in this class. I was the first girl in auto. That's a whole nother story for another podcast. (laughs) That's a whole episode. To to take uh, auto because apparently I had to learn how to sew and cook. And I was like, no, I want to know how to change my tire. What if I get stuck? I don't want to depend on anybody. But anyway, and he basically said to me, you know, he was the one that said, you know, what's the matter, obviously. And I said, you know, I wanted to be a lawyer. And he's like, it was the same thing. It was, you know, you can be anything you want to be. Don't let one person define you and don't let outer influences or obstacles get in your way. That always like, you know, stuck to me. And, you know, I always For got sure. really good grades in auto and, you know, there you go. So that was a kind, sometimes it just takes one person And that's why I always try to pay it forward too. that when people are in a little bit of a funk or in a very dark place, sometimes just letting people know that they're not always going to feel this way. It's kindness all on its own. That's awesome. We all need that one person that, and to have that is so important to help lift us out of that and show us and make us realize that no, we are not defined by what one person says. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we do get stuck with that. I'm saying it was hard for years, but as opposed to letting it destroy me and define me, I let it drive me. 
There you go. That's that's the key right there is flipping the narrative on that. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. That's a great question. Thank you. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Definitely Oprah Winfrey. I just, she was my role model growing up. You know, I came from a, a middle class family and she was my role model. And knowing her story and knowing how she got to where she got was so incredibly inspiring to me. And just super silly, funny story with Oprah is she is the one that I, I wanted to do so many things when I was younger. Yeah. And, you know, everything costs money. Yeah. And, you know, she said there, there was an episode where she basically said that, you know, I know you're all sitting here saying, you know, well, it's easy easy for you to say. And, you know, she would, you know, again, go back to her very underprivileged upbringing. And uh, she said, you will find the way. And, you know, the audience members would put their hand up and, and she said, okay, it's all about money. So, you know, how I opened up my first business and it was about, she got a bunch of, I, I don't know the exact episode or how she said it, but she got a bunch of loans and credit cards and whatnot. And she, and I'm not suggesting this to people. I'm no. just saying it's, what inspired me. And yeah. that's how I opened up my first business because wow. nobody wanted to give me money and that's fine. But I just, you find a way. Yeah. And so I just would love to, you know, share my story and, and let her know how influential she was not only to me, so I'm sure to, you know, millions of, uh, of others, but uh, so that would be the reason why I would want to sit down and I'd want to pick her brain and know what she's doing next. Absolutely. Yeah. She's so influential on so many people in the world with what she's accomplished from where she came from and where she is now. And it's incredible. It truly is. And it's evidence that yes, you can. Yeah, exactly. Regardless of your outside influences. Yes, Yes, for sure. Adrienne, what is your why? I would have to say my family and serving others. That is my why. That is where, you know, because, you know, something I also learned through Tony Robbins is when you live in gratitude or you serve others, fear, anger, anxiety, depression, none of that can come in to your life. So my why would have to be, I mean, twofold would obviously be my family but yeah. also would be serving others beautiful if you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice what would that piece of advice be don't eat the cake <laughs> I, don't, I don't know i don't know <laughs> don't <laughs> eat the cake <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i'm kidding my younger self oh wow that is hmm. it would go back to don't let the outside influences, whether it's the guidance counselor, whether it's your friends, family, social media, don't let the outer influences inside you define you or stop you or cripple you from doing what you love and what you're passionate about doing. That's what I would tell myself because, you know, you do get caught up in it. It doesn't matter what age you're at when you're living a true authentic life and you know, you, you are the best version of yourself, you know, you still get some of the outside influences trying to come in. Absolutely. uh, So if you can, if you can create that barrier that, you know, early in life, I I would say that would be great. Great advice. Lastly, Adrian, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, like your corner of the world, your people, your tribe, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What would you say, or what words of wisdom would you impart? Would this be to my family or would this be to anybody and everybody? Your people, your tribe, like your family, your friends, all those closest to you. I would say something along the lines of don't be so serious. Use humor sometimes (laughs) in the toughest of times. it, It helps. Always follow your dreams. Do what you're passionate about and what lights up your soul and what makes you happy, not what makes your parents or your friends or your partners happy. A big one for me too is know when to let people and things go that no longer serve you or align with your core values. And, you know, my my really big one too is uh, hire your standards in everything you do. Yeah. And what I mean by hiring your standards, you know, don't settle 
for just okay, you know, settle for great. And then tomorrow maybe greater. So higher your standards because you deserve it. Lovely. Thank you so much, Adrian. This has been an absolutely wonderful conversation. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I love that this whole private investigator is so interesting and exciting to me. I love it. And I just, I'm honored to have you here as a guest and to hear your story. And you're, you're such an inspiration, all that you've accomplished and being one of the first women in Canada to venture into this. It's it just, again, it, it's proof that you can. And I think that's absolutely amazing. I think you're a wonderful role model for, for young girls and women who may not be too sure of themselves. And, and what you have managed to do just proves that, yes, you can. And I think that's absolutely incredible. So I'm honored to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. And I've loved every minute of our chat. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. I appreciate you and all that you're doing. Keep shining your bright, beautiful light onto the world, Adrian. Thank you so much, Brad. Thank you. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Adrienne Fiquette. She is the owner and founder of Star Quality Investigations and a certified life coach. Thank you so much, Adrian. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. You as well, Brad. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.